Boy, I hope you came hungry this morning. I'm going to throw most of the Bible at you today, okay? I'm going to throw a whole lot of New Testament at you, and I'm going to throw a little bit of Old Testament at you. We are in a series, and good grief, we've been in this series a good amount of time. I think we started this back in the fall. Uh, We started a doctrine study, a systematic study of the Word of God, because in 2021, uh, it's very, very important. It always has been important, but especially today in the culture of our country, it is so important to know what you believe and know why you believe what you believe. We are living in very, very, very tumultuous times, uncertain times, and your worldview really matters. And as a child of God, as I see it, we only have one option as a worldview. Our worldview as a child of God must be based upon Scripture and Scripture alone. It doesn't matter what I think, what you think, what anybody else on the planet thinks. The Word of God is truth. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It is God-breathed. God used men uh, being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit to pin down the very words that God wanted to be written down. And we have from Genesis to Revelation everything God wants and needs us to know. And how we do life and how we think about life and how we treat others and and how we live as citizens in this nation and how we live as citizens in our community is very important. And all of that flows out of our worldview. So why do we believe what we believe? For several weeks now, uh, we've taken a broad look at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We started on the subject of the Holy Spirit talking about He is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a what. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the Godhead. We talked about His personhood. We talked about His relationship uh, to God and His relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about the Holy Spirit's attributes. and We talked about His personal activities. And now for the past several weeks, we've been talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always working. The Holy Spirit is always forever working, carrying out the will of the Father. We talked about how that He worked all through the Old Testament and especially in the New Testament, His, His person in the work of, or His work in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. When God decided it was time to send Jesus Christ into the world to seek and to save sinners, it was the Holy Spirit who moved supernaturally upon Mary and caused her to conceive the Lord Jesus Christ. So He was at work in the New Testament through the conception of Jesus Christ. All throughout the ministry of Jesus here on earth, the power He was operating under was the power of the Holy Spirit. The miracles, raising people from the dead, opening blinded eyes even going to the cross and being buried in the tomb on the third day, the power that brought Jesus out of the tomb was none other than the Holy Spirit. Even the ascension of Jesus, the power that Jesus stepped out on the cloud and ascended back to heaven, the power of the Holy Spirit. The past two Sundays, we've been looking primarily at how the Holy Spirit works in individual lives, works in your life, works in my life how that he's currently at work in the church. Folks, listen. 
any group of people that call themselves the church but ignore the Holy Spirit is not a church. You, you can't be a child of God without the Holy Spirit. And you can't be a church without the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that draws us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who regenerates us. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to be born again. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us faith and repentance and the ability to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Today I want us to discuss some specific phrases that we find in the New Testament that deal with the Holy Spirit that have raised many questions throughout the entire church age. And not only raised many questions, but has caused a lot of debate, a lot of biblical debate upon what do these phrases truly mean as we read them through Scripture. Number one, put out your listening guide there and begin to fill in the blank. The first question we're going to look at today is what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe, now, now, now get this, church, everything we do and everything we believe and everything we teach and everything that we preach and the example that we try to set here at Hope in Christ is that we believe the Bible. We believe the Bible. So we're going to believe what the Bible says, we're going to do what the Bible says, and we're going to not do what the Bible says not to do, and we're going to gain all of our understanding and our knowledge from the Bible and the Bible alone. Can I get an amen right there? So what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit can be easily and simply defined by Scripture. Say Scripture can be defined by Scripture as the work of the Spirit of God. That's what we're currently preaching through right now. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, Scripture says that it's the work of the Holy Spirit of God whereby He places new believers at the moment of salvation, at the moment of being born again, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit placing us into union with the Lord Jesus Christ, and with other believers known as the body of Christ, the family of God. Now, is that hard to understand? That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we do something that we call baptism by water. Y'all have been to the creek banks with us. You all have been here in the worship space with us most recently when we baptized Chris. And when we baptize people, what we do is... We put people into the water, don't we? And then we raise them up out of the water. So that word baptism means to be put into. So when we're baptized by the Holy Spirit, we are put into the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember just a couple of weeks ago I shared with you that in Paul's writing alone, just in Paul's writing alone, he mentions the phrase, in Christ, over 160 times. To be saved, to be born again, is to, to be regenerated, to be born again, to be separated from our sins through the forgiveness that God gives us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the moment we believe and confess the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Holy Spirit baptizes us. Now just as that example of being put into water, being baptized, remember John the Baptist on the riverbank says, Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said, I baptize with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only does He baptize us into the Lord Jesus Christ, but because we are all in Christ, we are the family of God. We're the family of God. In Mark chapter 1 verse 8, as I just said, John the Baptist said, I have baptized you with water. But He, the Lord Jesus Christ, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, just before He ascended back to heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, He says, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. John the Baptist first said, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Himself, in His departing words, said that not many days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we know that this promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now here's the example. It's here that believers as a group are baptized and indwelt by the Holy Spirit for the first time in the New Testament, resulting in the New Testament being born. This is Inauguration Day. All through the Old Testament, the prophecies said that there would come a Messiah and that He would come and seek people and save them from their sins. And as He began to save them, He begins building His church. And on the day of Pentecost, there was a powerless church meeting in the upper room. And as they were there, obediently waiting on the Holy Spirit, He came and He baptized all of them into the Lord Jesus Christ. And He filled them. He began to dwell on the inside of them. Thus, the New Testament church was born. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we find the central passage of the New Testament regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pay close attention to the Scripture today, church. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. For just as the body, who's the body? We are, we are. The the, the born again church, every believer makes up the body of Christ. Now, we know that the physical body of Christ, the resurrected, glorified body of Christ, ascended back to heaven. He sat down at the right hand of the Father, And the moment he sat down at the right hand of the Father, God looked over at him and said, send the Holy Spirit down. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit down and he baptized us into the body of Christ. And we now are the visible body of Christ on planet earth. So it matters how you live. 
Because we're the visible body of Christ. When people see the church, they say, hey, there's Jesus. So your life and my life needs to measure up to the Lord Jesus Christ's life. And the only way we can measure up is through the power of the Holy Spirit. For just as the body is what? And has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of... Now there's a key word here, I don't know if you noticed it or not. I left it out, but I appreciate your help. Y'all, y'all, y'all learning me, aren't you? So what we see here in these scriptures is one body, one body, one spirit, one spirit. Notice that all believers, did you notice that? For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So all believers have been baptized by the same spirit into the same body, and that body is the body of Christ. The baptism is synonymous with salvation. When do believers get baptized in the Holy Spirit? The moment they believe. The moment they believe. It's not a unique experience for just an elite few. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is what we receive when we believe and confess the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, while Romans 6 doesn't specifically mention the Holy Spirit, we know within context that it does describe the believer's position before God in language much like the first Corinthians passage. Look at Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Are we, continue, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Question. Do you not know that do you not know that all of us, who's all of us, the believers, the body of Christ, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, there you have it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when we are baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. When are we baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ? The moment we're saved. The moment we're saved. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? What's the example? We were buried therefore with Him. There's water baptism. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are put into the Lord Jesus Christ. We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, apart from being baptized in or with the Holy Spirit, we can't walk in newness of life. 
Why? Because without the Holy Spirit, we're left dead in our trespasses and sins. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It baptizes us into His death, into His burial, into His resurrection. And as Christ was raised from the dead, we too, by the Spirit's power, are raised from the dead, the deadness of our trespasses and sins, to newness of life. And now that we have been baptized with the Holy Spirit into the Lord Jesus Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And now we live in newness of life because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Ephesians chapter 4 spells it out so perfectly, so perfectly and so simply. Ephesians chapter 4, 4 through 6. There is one body. And what is that body? The body of Christ. There is one body... And there is one Spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There is one Lord, one faith, and... Wait just a minute. Could you say that again a little louder? One baptism. Now folks, the Scripture is clear. There is one body of Christ. There is only one church. And it's the body of Christ. There is just one Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And just as you were called to the one hope, the only hope we have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? That belongs to our call. We was called into a hope by the Holy Spirit that called us into one body. And there's only one body and one spirit because there's only one Lord and His name is Jesus. And there is only one faith, and it's faith in the Lord Jesus. And there is only one baptism that truly, truly, truly counts. And it's the baptism of the one Holy Spirit that baptizes us into the one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and and, and also baptizes us into the one body, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's only one God. And Father of who? All. Not a few. Not a few special ones, but every person who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, at the moment where they're saved and at the moment they receive the Holy Spirit, they're baptized in the Spirit and they are baptized into one body by one Spirit, into one hope. There's one Father, there's one God of all who is over all and through all and in all. Do you might catch the all word there? I think Paul is trying to make a point, don't you? We are all baptized by one Spirit into one body, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are all now children of the one God, the Father of us all, by one Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5 refers to Spirit baptism. Therefore, Spirit baptism is a reality for every believer. Say every believer. Just as one Lord, one hope, one faith, 
in one Father. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit does two things. I put that in your listing guide there. The baptism of the Holy Spirit does two things. It joins us to the body of Christ, and it actualizes our co-crucifixion and resurrection with the Lord Jesus Christ. So being in His body, being in the Lord Jesus Christ, means that we are risen with Him. Say risen means that we are risen with Him to a whole new way of life, the Spirit-filled life and the Spirit-led life. The Spirit-led life. We see this in Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of Life. That's the work of the Holy Spirit working in you, working in me, working in all believers, resurrecting us from our deadness of our trespasses and sins, empowering us and guiding us to walk in the newness of life. Our union with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection through spirit baptism establishes the basis for our separation from the power of the indwelling sin that remains in each and every one of us. But it also liberates us to walk in the newness of the Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life. Romans 6, 1-10. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into His death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. No, say we know. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free. From sin. Now, if we believe, or now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. Say once for all. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. He lives to God. Colossians 2.12 Having been buried with him in baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Is it crystal clear from God's Word what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is? Yes. 
the Holy Spirit who worked from the beginning of time, we saw Him hovering over the waters in Genesis at the creation. We saw the Holy Spirit of God working all through the Old Testament as He empowered prophets to prophesy. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that parted the Red Sea. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that worked all throughout the Old Testament. At the beginning of the New Testament, John the Baptist begins talking about it when Jesus Christ first comes on the scene. And all through the writings of the New Testament, we're we're told that it's the Holy Spirit at work in us that resurrects us from the dead and empowers us to live in newness of life. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what Jesus does for us the moment we believe and are saved and born again. So we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit as defined by Scripture, is the work of the Spirit of God whereby He places new believers at the moment of salvation into union with Christ and with other believers known as the body of Christ, the family of God. Now, in all seriousness, for the life of me, I cannot understand how that's confusing. When you follow Scripture, when you read Scripture, when you believe Scripture, and you allow Scripture to speak for itself, then Scripture is abundantly clear. Can I get an amen? Now that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number two, what is being filled with the Holy Spirit? What is being filled with the Holy Spirit? An important verse in understanding what being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is John chapter 14, verse 16, where Jesus promised the Spirit would indwell all believers and that the indwelling would be once and for all permanent. Permanent. John 14, 16, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper. Who is this helper? If you'll notice, it's the capital H. Who is this helper? Who is this comforter? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father. When I get back to heaven, when when I get back to where I truly belong, when I'm seated there at the right hand of the Father, I'm going to look over at the Father and I'm going to say, give me the Holy Spirit so I can give Him to the church. And that's exactly what happened. To be with you, how long? So if we take, let's do some math. Not, Not that common core crap. Let, let, let's do some old-fashioned math. So if we take forever minus one millisecond, what does that equal? No. That's common core math. We're doing simple math. Forever minus anything is not forever. I'm confused. So if we take one second off of forever, what do we have? Not forever. You get what I'm saying? If you, if you take anything away from forever. All right, we, we saw the word all a while ago, okay? So if I have all of my eggs in one basket, and I take one out, I don't have all my eggs in one basket, right? You catching on now? So if we take the word forever and discount it in the least, We don't have forever. The point I'm trying to make is Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father, and He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. And church, listen, the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. 
I expected a greater reaction to that. Uh, Amen. You need to be excited about the Holy Spirit. Because apart from the Holy Spirit, you're not saved and born again. And without the Holy Spirit, you cannot live in newness of life. And without the Holy Spirit, you cannot leave this world and make heaven your eternal home. So you need to be excited about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit forever. Now when digging into what it means to be filled with the Spirit, it's very important to distinguish between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit from the filling, F-I-L-L-I-N-G, of the Holy Spirit. Again, as we've seen in Scripture, The permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit is not for a select few believers, but for all believers. Did you see that in Scripture? Who gets the Holy Spirit? All believers. Again, we saw several references in Scripture that support this conclusion. Now first, the Holy Spirit is a gift given to all believers in Jesus Christ without exception. All believers get the Holy Spirit. The only condition, the only condition found in Scripture, the only condition placed upon the gift of the Holy Spirit is believing, saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You want to know who that living water is? It's the Holy Spirit of God. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. There's the condition of receiving the Holy Spirit. What's the condition of receiving the Holy Spirit? Those that believe in the name of Jesus Christ for salvation. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Second, the Holy Spirit is given, get this, in complete fullness. When we're saved and born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are filled with the Holy Spirit with His fullness. We get 100% of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, In Him you also, in Christ, in Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So when does the Holy Spirit come? The moment you believe. Jesus taught that. John the Baptist taught that. Paul teaches that. Peter teaches that. The entire New Testament teaches that. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, that's the process of regeneration we talked about a few weeks ago. When you were saved and born again... At that moment, God sealed you by placing the Holy Spirit in you for how long? Forever. He sealed you with the promised 
Holy Spirit. John the Baptist promised him. Jesus promised him. The prophet Joel promised, promised him in the Old Testament. Galatians 3.2 Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? By hearing with faith. So the only way to obtain the Holy Spirit is placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Therefore, you can't do any work of the law to obtain the Holy Spirit. You cannot do that. Here we see the same truth. The sealing and indwelling of the Holy Spirit takes place at the moment of believing and trusting Jesus Christ for salvation. The Holy Spirit indwells all believers permanently. The Holy Spirit is given to all believers as a down payment or a verification of their future glorification in Christ. Why? Because at the moment of salvation, we're saved and born again, we're justified. We're made perfectly right with God for all of eternity. Then progressively, we're sanctified. We talked about that last week. How that the Holy Spirit constantly purges sin out of our lives and, and causes us to, be, to, to begin to live more holy lives, sanctified lives before Almighty God. And then the end result of salvation, the end result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the end result of being filled with the Holy Spirit and being justified and sanctified is, the Bible says when we see Him, we shall be like Him, we will be ultimately, permanently, forever, for all of eternity, in a glorified state, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians. And who has also put His seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a what? Amen. Aren't you glad for the Word today? Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now this contrasts with the filling of the Spirit referred to in Ephesians 5.18, where we read, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we're contrasting the difference between being dwelling Holy Spirit, okay? Now, now let's back up just a little. Let me establish this so, we, so we're crystal clear on this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when we're saved and born again, we're baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That makes us saved. That's the baptism. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we become indwelt. He takes up residency on the inside of us. We are filled at that moment. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now then, being saved by Him, baptized into Christ by Him, and Him living inside of us by indwelling us is different from the ongoing, what the Bible teaches is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're filled, but are we utilizing who we're filled with? Okay, does that make it a little clearer? 
How do we utilize being filled with the Holy Spirit? To be filled at all times, just like this bottle of water right here. This bottle of water is filled up, isn't it? But unless I take the lid off, which I'm going to do because I'm very thirsty, that's good. Now, I utilized what was in that bottle, didn't I? So how do we utilize being filled with the Holy Spirit? It's only when we are completely yielded to Him. It's only when we're yielded to Him that He possesses us fully. Catch on to that. The Holy Spirit of God lives in me forever. Is that what He said? For all eternity, He's living on the inside of me. I possess Him. The question is, does He possess you? Does He possess me? Does He possess my thoughts? Does He possess my actions? Is He leading me by the leading of the Holy Spirit? Is He guiding me by the guiding of the Holy Spirit? Am I yielding to Him or am I still in control? That's constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit, utilizing the Holy Spirit. Because when He possesses us fully in that sense, He fills us to overflowing. Fills us to overflowing. Romans 8 and 9 says, You, however are not in the flesh. Church, he's talking to us. Those who have been saved and born again, you are no longer in the flesh. Although I'm still in my flesh, he's saying don't live fleshly. Although you're still in a sinful body, don't practice sin. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to possess you as you possess Him. In fact, Excuse me, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Here's a fact. The Holy Spirit of God's in you. He baptized you. He filled you up. You possess Him. Now let Him possess you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. These verses, I shared with you a moment ago, repeating them now, these verses state that the Spirit of God dwells within every believer. But as we said a while ago, He possesses us and we possess Him. But the Holy Spirit has feelings too. You ever get your feelings hurt? When somebody hurts your feelings, do you kind of avoid them for a time? You kind of do, don't you? Look what the Bible says. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. When He, when he is challenging you to live a holy life and a Spirit-filled life and you ignore Him and you live a sinful life, then you're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're hurting his feelings. And at that moment, he's not possessing you, although you possess him. And his activity within us can be quenched. Can be quenched. Do not quench the Spirit. So even though he lives on the inside of me, even though I possess him, is he possessing me? When we allow this to happen, when we quench the Holy Spirit, here's the results. 
we don't experience or we don't feel the fullness of the Spirit's power working in our life. So to be filled with the Spirit implies Him having the freedom, get this, to fully occupy, to fully guide, to fully control every part of our life. Most of us, and we'll take, a, we'll take a poll right after I say this just to see if it's true or not. Most of us, especially those of us who grew up in the Baptist church, have had very, 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 very little teaching concerning the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? If you've had very little teaching about the Holy Spirit, let me just see your hand for just a minute. Just raise your hand up let's see. The majority of the people in the room. That's why y'all are sitting there looking at me like a calf looks at a new gate. What are we going to do with that? Well, we're going to believe it, aren't we? We're going to believe it. We're going to receive it. Why are we going to believe it? Why are we going to receive it? Because it's the Word of God. Again, the series is why do we believe that? Because the Bible says so. So how do I utilize that? And and, and maybe we need to do much, much more teaching on this for us to fully know it and understand it. See, a lot of people say, well, I, I know God the Father. Yeah, I know Him well. For God so loved me that He gave His only begotten Son to die for me that if I just believe upon Him, I'll never perish and have everlasting life. And I know Jesus, He's that Son. He's the one that Jesus sent. But this Holy Spirit guy, He just seems weird. It's just like he's all up in my business and everything. It's like, it's like he ain't going to let me be me no more. He, he just wants to move in and control me. Yes. Yes. He does. But to your advantage. Now again, our worldview comes into play here, doesn't it? We live in the land of the free, don't we? Well... In theory, in theory, we, hopefully we live in the freest nation on earth, as free as it is. We live in the freest nation on earth. And we are constantly taught from a child up, you don't let nobody tell you what to do. Am I right or am I wrong? You be in charge. You be in control. Am I right or am I wrong? That's what freedom means. You be in control. You be in charge. You grab the steering wheel and you determine where you're going and what you're doing in life. We're encouraged at home to do that. We're encouraged in school to do that. We're encouraged to do that in our careers. Here's the problem. When we come to studying about God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, we're taught to yield all control them. And we've spent our whole life being in control, and that preacher gets up there and says, you'll control that some guy can't even see. And every part of our flesh says, no, I'm not doing that. And then there seems to be these super saints of God who have yielded themselves totally 
to God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And their lives look so unique and so different. And you spend time scratching your head saying, my walk with the Lord don't look like that walk. Not that we're to, to compare with others, but here's what I'm saying. The Christian who knows Jesus as Lord and Savior and is aware of the teaching of the Holy Spirit those who are not grieving the Spirit, those who are not quenching the Holy Spirit, they're living Spirit-filled lives and the fruit of the Spirit are alive inside of them and the Holy Spirit just oozes out of them and flows on you and flows on others. You're just like, man, I'd love to be like sister so-and-so. I'd love to be like brother so-and-so. How do I get there? By dying to yourself in order to live unto Him. You've got to yield control. You've got to quit grieving the Holy Spirit. You've got to quit quenching the Holy Spirit. You're just about to spout off. The Holy Spirit says, I wouldn't do that. And you say, well, they deserve it. And the Holy Spirit says, I wouldn't do that. But he's a gentleman. He said, I'm just here to advise you. I wouldn't do that, but you do as you please. And when we obey the Holy Spirit, he blesses our socks off. But when we grieve him and quench him and we do as we please, then he drops his head and the blessings of God are not in our lives as God wants them to be. Say surrender. Say surrender one more time. When it comes to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, surrender, surrender is the secret. Surrender needs to be at the top of the list of your vocabulary. You need to wake up every morning and say, God, thank you for another day. I surrender. So again, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even though we possess Him, is He possessing us? To be filled with the Spirit implies we're giving Him the freedom to fully occupy, guide, and control every part of our life. Every part of our life. It's only as we surrender to the feeling that His power can be experienced and exerted through us, listen, so that our actions can edify others and most of all, glorify God the Father. Glorify God the Father. Look at this, Psalms nineteen fourteen. I told you I'd give you a little bit of the Old Testament. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Now, how can the words of my mouth and the meditation upon my heart be acceptable in His sight when they're Spirit-led? When they're Spirit-led. O Lord, my rock, my Redeemer. Now, read that backwards. And there's a prescription for spiritual success. Redeemer, my rock, my Lord, in your sight accept the meditation of my heart in the words of my mouth. Now it makes sense, doesn't it? Because you are my Redeemer, because you are my rock, since everything flows out of the meditation of my heart, including my words, because you're my Redeemer, because you're my rock, I'm going to meditate upon you in your ways and I'm going to obey your Spirit and the words of my mouth will glorify you forever. That's the Spirit-filled life. That's the Spirit-led life. Sin. Say sin. He's your biggest enemy. He's my biggest enemy. He hinders us being filled with the Holy Spirit. In contrast, confession of sin 
And obedience to God is how the filling of the Holy Spirit is experienced to its fullness and maintained. So when I pray, when, when I have sinned and I confess those sins to God and He cleanses me brand new again, in that moment I'm totally filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. And the only way I can hinder that filling of the Holy Spirit is to be involved in sinful behavior again. And that sinful, that sinful behavior grieves the Holy Spirit and it quenches the Holy Spirit. And now I'm not so full of Him because He's not possessing all of me. Get that, church. I possess Him forever, but am I allowing Him to possess me? As we saw in Ephesians 5.18, we're commanded. We're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. However, listen closely. Listen closely. We cannot pray this filling of the Holy Spirit into existence. We can't go in our prayer closet and pray for hours and say, Oh God, oh God, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. Fill me and overflow with your Holy Spirit. God says, I can't because there's unconfessed sin in your life. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit is totally within my discretion. Totally within your discretion. You decide how full of God you want to be. You decide how full of the Holy Spirit you want to be. How? By the way you live your life. Are you Spirit-led or Steve-led? Are you Spirit-led or me-led? Keep in mind. Keep in mind. Don't get down and out. Don't get disturbed. Because we remain infected with the sin virus... It's impossible to be full and overflowing with the Holy Spirit 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It simply cannot be so. Let's move on. So what's the difference between the filling, the filled upness, and the feeling, the goosebumps? Okay? What's the difference between being filled up with the Holy Spirit and actually feeling the Holy Spirit? I hear people reference this all the time. Oh boy, I just felt the presence of God today. That's reality. You can feel the presence of God. But let me say this. In order to feel those Holy Ghost bumps, in order to feel the Holy Spirit, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You ever go through dry seasons in your life? You're just like, man, I don't know what's going on. I've, just, I've not experienced feeling God in some time. I've not experienced feeling the Holy Spirit in some time. Inventory time. Heart check time. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you will experience the Holy Spirit every single day. Every single day. Now, while certain ministries of the Holy Spirit involve a feeling, F-E-E-L, such as conviction of sin, the feeling of comfort. When you get convicted of your sin, how do you know you're being convicted of your sin? You feel it, don't you? It's a grieving heart hurts. You're just like, oh man, right? But what about when you confess those sins and God comforts you? Is comfort a feeling? It is. Eh? It's peace. Wow, that burden is off of me. I feel better. So certain ministries of the Holy Spirit involves feelings such as conviction of sin, comfort, empowerment. I mean, some days you just, you just know if devil comes by, you're going to grab him by the tail and slam him on the ground and beat the tarnation out of him. You feel empowered, don't you? Sometimes you wake up and you're just, you ain't got enough strength to do nothing for the kingdom today. Those are feelings. But nowhere in Scripture are we instructed or see an example to base our relationship with the Holy Spirit on how we feel. i got to say that again because it's so important. 
While certain ministries of the Holy Spirit involve a feeling such as conviction of sin, comfort, empowerment, nowhere in Scripture, say that with me, nowhere in Scripture are we instructed or we see an example. There's not one example in all of Scripture that we base our relationship with the Holy Spirit on how or what we feel. Jesus said, I'm going to put Him in you and He's going to be there forever. He's permanent. Whether you experience Him or not, He's there. There it is. I can stare at it all day long, but until I take the lid off and experience that, now that water's possessing me. And I'm possessing that water. Now as we've established by Scripture, every born-again believer is permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. How do we know that we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Because the Word of God says so. The Word of God says so. Therefore, every born-again believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but not every born-again believer is controlled by the Holy Spirit. And there is a big, big difference. Again, it goes back to we possess Him, but does He possess us? When we step out in our flesh... When we do fleshy things, when we do sinful things, guess what? We're not under the Holy Spirit's control. Even though He indwells us. This is what the Apostle Paul is addressing in his comments in Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now then, here's a problem. A lot of people, too many people, read this verse and the only thing they get out of it is, Paul said, don't get drunk. Paul said, don't get drunk. Move on, 19. That's not even the context of this verse. The second half of this verse is where all the meat is, where all the meaning is. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's contrasting. He's contrasting. Now, I was going to ask a question, but I want to rephrase the question. How many of y'all have ever been around a drunk person? I was going to ask how many of y'all have been drunk, but I... You know, was... How many of y'all have ever been around a drunk person? Is there any difference between that drunk person when they're drunk and when they're not? They're under the influence of the wine. Aren't they? That's the example. But here's the meaning of that text. When you get filled up with wine, it changes how you think, it changes how you behave, it changes how you talk, it changes how you treat people. When you get filled up to overflowing with wine, it changes who you are. Can I get an amen? Paul says that's an established fact. Amen? Amen. Paul said, so instead of getting drunk and filled up with wine and being changed with the way it changes you, what you Christian ought to be doing is get filled up with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. He'll change how you think. He'll change how you talk. He'll change your actions. He'll change how you treat people. He'll change how you live life. There's the context of the verse. See, all of us Baptist kids, we, was, we missed that for 54 years. Don't get drunk. Now, I'm still saying, don't get drunk. 
But in addition to don't get drunk, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will change the way you think and act and talk and treat people and walk and everything else. That's the truth. That's being filled up with the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say in verse 19 through 21, here's what it looks like when you set the wine aside and get drunk on the Holy Spirit. You remember on the day of Pentecost? When the Holy Spirit came and they started rejoicing and praising God and preaching the gospel, those that hadn't received the Holy Spirit said, look at them idiots, they're all, they're all drunk. They were drunk on the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and you sing and make melody to the Lord in your heart. Why? Because you're full of the Holy Spirit. Brother Steve, I just don't never feel like singing them songs. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Giving thanks always. Say always. Brother Steve, I just don't feel like giving thanks always. Get filled with the Spirit. Giving thanks always and for everything. Well, I just don't feel like giving thanks to God for everything always. Get filled with the Spirit and you will. Most people read these scriptures, they scratch their heads and say, that's impossible. You're right. As long as you're full of the world and full of yourself and full of wine and full of everything else, this is not going to be reality in your life. And the problem is you try to fake it till you make it. You try to blend in with the spirit-filled believers and you ain't spirit-filled and you're just going to, you're just going to give up one day and throw your hands up and quit. Don't throw your hands up and quit. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you will address one another with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. You will sing and make melody in your heart. You will give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will, whoa, here's that bad word, submitting. You didn't want to hear that, did you? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wow, wow, wow. Being filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit is the result of walking in obedience to the Lord. This is a gift of grace and not an emotional feeling. Emotions can and will deceive us. Can I get an amen? We can work ourselves up into an emotional frenzy We can work ourselves up in the flesh, but that's not always the Spirit. But it can be. See, the the F-I-L-L-I-N-G, feeling of the Holy Spirit, will definitely react in your F-E-E-L-I-N-Gs. And when you get filled to overflowing, you're going to feel something. And when you begin to feel something, you ought to let it out. But just because you don't feel it doesn't mean you ain't filled. I just want you to know and understand that. What's the answer? Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit's power. Walk being controlled by the Holy Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. You can tie this to the don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, you won't want to be full of anything else. 
If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Where He goes, I go. Where He doesn't go, I don't go. What He says, I say. What He doesn't say, I don't say. What He thinks, I think. What He doesn't think, I don't think. I'm Spirit-led. I'm Spirit-filled. When this happens, folks, listen, I can tell you this from personal experience. When this happens, it's a joy like no other. A joy like no other. I'm not boasting. I'm not bragging. I just want to give you an example because I know this firsthand. And what I preach and teach, I, I preach and teach from my heart and I preach from experience. Oftentimes people will come around and say, you are one of the most positive human beings I've ever met in all my life. It just seems like you're always up. Well, 99% of the time I am. Brother Steve, how is that? I mean, you're bald. You're overweight. You're ugly. I mean, you ain't got nothing going for you. I don't need nothing going for me but one thing. Jesus. And I got Jesus going for me. And when this life is over, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have hair. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to be slender. I'm going to like Magnum P.I., honey. You just, you just keep hoping. You just keep pressing on. Magnum P.I. body. And I'm going to be good looking in heaven. It's going to happen. You wait and see. Some of y'all said, no, nah, I don't know. It's going to happen when we get to glory. But no, in all seriousness, I can honestly say at this point in my life, when I wake up in the morning, the first thought from my mind is, thank you, Lord. For another day. And my days are busy from start to finish. And sometimes I pray throughout the day and sometimes I fail to. But I can also say that when it gets late at night and it's time to go to bed, I'll lay down and pull the covers up and roll her on my side and it never fails. I just pause and say, thank you God for another day. But Steve, how is all that working in your life? Number one, God sought me out and saved me. He baptized me in the Holy Spirit. He placed me into the body of Christ. He filled me with the Holy Spirit. He dwells on the inside of me. And more than not, I yield to Him. And even though I'm possessing Him, I yield myself to Him that He can possess me. And that creates a joy that you can't hide. That creates a joy that you can't run from. What does that look like? Well, a little bit more Old Testament will come to a close. 2 Samuel 6.14 And David danced before the Lord with all his might. What would cause a man to dance before God? Now David didn't care who else was around. David is dancing before God with all his might. Why is he doing this? Because he's full and it's overflowing. Experiencing joy by the Spirit is the understanding that His grace is blessing us as children of God. So yes, yes, the ministries of the Holy Spirit involves our feelings and our emotions. But we got to keep in mind at the same time, we don't base our assurance of our possession of the Holy Spirit on how we feel. We're going to have off days. And we're going to have on days. But the Bible says He's in us. 
and he's in us permanently, and he's in us fully, and he's in us forever. So the baptism, two statements and I'm done. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, again, is the work of the Spirit of God whereby he forever places believers at the moment of salvation in the union with Christ and with other believers known as the body of Christ, the family of God. And secondly, being filled with the Holy Spirit results from our total surrender and our reliance upon the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day lives. So we achieve the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit as we walk in full obedience to the commandments of Almighty God. Now next week, you think it couldn't get any gooder, next week we're going to be studying the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Will you stand with me this morning as we pray?